bonus So Money episode with Catherine Galladay, Senior Vice President of Participant Services and Administration at Charles Schwab. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. What's your greatest financial concern? For many, the number one source of money stress stems from uncertainties around retirement. Specifically, we're worried that we won't have enough saved or that, you know what, we just can't afford to retire. Welcome to So Money, everyone. This is a special bonus episode, part of a four-part series we're working on with Charles Schwab, where we're doing deep dive conversations about very important financial topics. If you've been following along this series, you know that we kick things off with Lizanne Saunders. Chief Financial Strategist, giving her perspectives on the stock market. Then we transitioned over to financial literacy and how to educate our young ones about money in a conversation with Carrie Schwab Pomerantz, president of the Charles Schwab Foundation. Today, we turn the focus to retirement and retiring well. For this, we welcome Catherine Galladay, a Senior Vice President of Participant Services and Administration at Charles Schwab. Catherine has her ears to the ground and understands the issues and complexities surrounding our retirement concerns. Catherine and I discuss the current retirement landscape and how it compares to, say, just 10 or 15 years ago. What does retirement really look like today? How can we all catch up and prepare? And what are the specific challenges facing millennials? As many of you know, I'm working with Charles Schwab to help spread financial literacy to the masses. It's been a really great collaboration so far. I'm a Charles Schwab customer, have been for many years. So before we get started, just want to thank Charles Schwab for helping to get this financial education content to you. Here we go. Here's Catherine Galladay. Catherine Galladay, welcome to So Money. Thank you so much, Farnoosh. I'm happy to take the time here today to talk about retirement and how folks can plan for that. Yeah, you know, I, I surveyed my audience at one point, I think it was in the last year, and hands down, retirement planning is the number one area of concern when it comes to money for my audience. So, So Money Nation, this episode is really, really for you. We want to talk about how to best plan for retirement, how much is enough for retirement, Retirement. What are the various vehicles that can get us to the finish line? You know, there's a lot of questions that come up every week on this show about 401ks or IRAs. And Catherine, you're really on the front lines as Senior Vice President of Participant Services and Administration at Charles Schwab Retirement Plan Services. You have your ear to the ground. So I'd love to learn just at the get-go from you, um, what are the various concerns people have about saving for retirement? And then share a little bit more about your role at Charles Schwab. It's a very unique and important role. 
Uh, thanks so much. Yeah, I've actually been working in uh, in this industry with retirement plan um, clients with employers and their employees for almost 30 years. So it's been so fascinating to just work with individuals and and see how things have um, have changed over the years. You know, retirement saving for retirement that is a real concern for Americans, as as you've um, called out. You know, pension plans have all but um, gone by the wayside. You know what I think is really interesting though, and some of the research that we've done is that individuals really um, understand. I I see that sense. I hear that sense of self-reliance, that people know that saving for retirement is is important, and it's really, the onus is really largely on them. So I think that that's um, kind of a a fascinating background before we dig into into some of the specifics. That's a good thing, right? I think that's, that's, that's a signal that people are realistic, at least, about what it's going to require for them to get to the finish line. Absolutely. You know, and I saw that across all generations. So it isn't something that, you know, just the baby boomers are thinking about in the research that that we've done. It's, it's, um, you know, it's every generation from the millennials through the baby boomers. So it's top of mind for, um, it's top of mind for individuals, regardless of what life stage they're in. You started serving retirement plan clients three decades ago, and you've been with Schwab since 1996. So I would love to learn a little bit more about what does retirement even look like today versus when you started in the industry? Are people really retiring? That's a <laughs> that's a question for maybe later in the show, but let's just address it now. I mean, what does retirement really look like when we're talking about retirement with clients? You know, there's so much of that that depends on, you know, everybody's own uh, hopes and dreams. I think retirement uh, is certainly uh, longer uh, today, uh, perhaps with uh, with uh, the length that people are living in, in retirement. I also see individuals uh, choosing perhaps to work in retirement. So I think that that's another, you know, macro trend. But when we talk to individuals and, and you ask, uh, what is it that people are really interesting? What are the interested in? What are the questions they ask? You know, I see really three things. You know, first of all, individuals are are looking for and wanting help and guidance. And I think that's fantastic. But I could kind of summarize the questions I hear every day. Um, how much should I be saving? So people want to understand what's my number? How much should I save? And then the next thing that they will ask is, um, how do I invest that? And then, of course, we get to and and what what should I be spending in retirement? How should I spend and how should I plan for that? But I think the good news is so many employers, and this is a trend I see as well, are really offering that professional 401k advice that perhaps they hadn't done in past years. So people don't have to go it alone if they reached out to their employer or online tools. There's a lot of help out there that can help people answer those key questions. That's good because Schwab actually did a survey recently and found that the number one source of financial stress is being able to save enough for a comfortable retirement. Um, This was part of a wide study of a thousand investors. What were some of the other key takeaways? It it talked, uh, touched on savings habits, attitudes, challenges. What, what from your perspective was maybe surprising or, or different? So definitely number one financial stress that popped out. But here's what I thought was interesting. Um, we had the majority of individuals talk about the fact that they wish that they had spent less money in the past 
specifically in order to save more for retirement. And when we dug into that, I think that there were some some interesting uh, findings. That was particularly true when uh, folks were talking about hmm, some of the everyday short-term kind of pleasures, like spending um, you know, money on eating meals out uh, all the time, or expensive clothing or new cars. And certainly, you know, you've got to balance enjoying life here in the present and saving for retirement. But there were consistent themes, especially around those um, kind of short, short-term things where folks had regrets about they were how they were spending. And I didn't necessarily see that play out when they were talking about um, spending on items that maybe traditionally you could tie to to long-term kind of success and happiness, things like, uh, you know, paying, uh, taking out student loans, paying down student loans, helping their children uh, save for a house or, or save for college. So I thought that was really interesting. I hope that in the next 25 minutes or so, we'll tackle some of your answers to the questions about how much should I save? How do I invest? How should I spend in retirement? But um, before we get to that, let's touch on the fact that a lot of people feel ill-prepared to begin saving for retirement. You talked about student loans and other obligations that we may have on our plates. What advice do you have for those people who feel they're just not ready to prioritize retirement, you know that one's close to my heart. Um, I've got I've got two daughters, and and my youngest daughter Monica just finished optometry school. So as you might expect, um, she has some significant student loans coming out of undergraduate and then optometry school. And I've had that same conversation with her in terms of you know how do I look at this and how do I prioritize. One of the things that I think is helpful whenever you're planning, you know, for the future and kind of creating that that financial plan is to have some sort of framework. Um, and at Schwab, we have our investing principles, but what we also have is a framework um, that we call our savings fundamentals. And what that helps you do is really think through what are your priorities, and it also helps you make decisions about what you should be focusing on uh, first, and then um, in what order, financially speaking. So let me give you an example of that. I I think it might help. What we would always advise is that someone would consider saving enough in their 401k as a top priority to get the full employer match. And many um, companies, you know, it's very common that your employer is, is going to have some sort of matching contribution. And the way I look at that is really an automatic um, return on investment that, that you can't get anywhere else. So that's really the first step. And then you start looking at things like um, really important things like how do I look at debt? And not all debt is the same, right? Credit card debt versus uh, versus student loans. So that should be a priority that you have, um, you know, very early on. Also saving for an emergency fund. I see so many people uh, it, with um, 
the situation where they haven't saved for an emergency. And then unfortunately, they could be looking at their 401k um, in terms of the only place that they can go to solve that, perhaps taking a loan or, or maybe stopping their contributions. So that's a little bit of a flavor of the framework that I'm talking about that will help people make decisions that, that make sense you know, for them. And I think it's also important just to add to the great points you made is like, don't feel you have to save all of it today. You know, you, you even just starting with a few bucks a day, $10 a day, that's better than nothing. And from my own experience, I, I will say that if you have access to a 401k and you can automate those payments, yeah, you might feel like, my gosh, I don't have enough money to go around. You can always turn it off, but try, like give it yourself a chance. Um, I remember it was uh, our HR manager at our company back when I was first starting at my first job. And she said to me, you got to do the 401k. We have a match. I know your salary is not that high right now, but you're going to continue to make more money and you can always dial up or down the contribution. You can even stop contributing, but just do it for a month and actually see how painful it is. It's not as painful as you think, especially again, because it's automatic. And I walked away from that job, you know, two and a half years later with something like 50000 or $40,000 in my 401k, which if someone had told me two and a half years prior to that, that I, that I would be able to save that money or that I had to save it on my own, I wouldn't have believed them. Um, so it's it just goes to show you, like, I think sometimes we underestimate our abilities and a little bit can go a very long way. You are so, you are so right. Um, I, I would say the same thing. And, and you know what is interesting? You talked about that concept of automatic. That's another change that I've seen over the years. Many employers um, have programs where you can start very small and then they will automatically uh, increase that. A lot of, a lot of, um, employers will do it in a way that maybe that increase happens at the same time that you have your review. So if you have a raise that can, you know what I mean? That can kind of help with, uh, with increasing your savings. So really, really powerful, uh, starting earlier, you have time on your side and kind of that potential for, for compounding. Yes. Well, let's talk also now about what's enough. Um, there's the what's enough question as, with regards to, you know, the totality of money that you may need at retirement. And then there's, well, how do I know how much to save today incrementally, percentage-wise from my paycheck? You mentioned at least try to get the most out of your company's match. I always say a good rule of thumb if you're starting early you know, in your 20s is 10, 15%, including a match. Um, what's your rule of thumb on that? And then later, maybe we could talk about like, how do you actually figure out how much you need big picture? <laughs> I think you're right. I mean, that's, uh, if you don't have the opportunity to get into any kind of um, in-depth planning, that's probably a good place to start if you are in, in your 20s that, you know, that, that 10%. But um, it's really going to be based on your individual circumstances. And I think that that's actually a really good thing um, in that the professional 401k advice can take into a lot uh, into consideration, a lot of those factors, you know, how old you are, what your salary is, um, your marital status, what state you live in to really then hone in that 10% to something that um, is really right, right for you. A lot of people on this show who come on as guests, 
we have some early retirees who like to come on the podcast and talk about their their strategy for retiring at 40 or I think even 50 is like miraculous. And in those cases, they often save half of what they earn. And so it begs the question, where do you invest that money? Because your 401k, there are limits to how much you can invest. Same with an IRA. If you feel like you've exhausted a lot of these for quote unquote retirement vehicles, where do you, where's a good place to put your money if you do want to save aggressively or you know what, you do want to retire at 65, but you want to finish with a lot of money. Right. That's a that's a question that we hear often if, if someone's um, maxing out or saving as much as they can within their 401k. A couple of things that I would point out, what I see a lot of individuals doing is taking advantage if it's something um, that is open to them is investing in a health savings account. So an HSA account. And um, that's a great opportunity to save and invest specifically for your healthcare uh, needs, healthcare costs, whether those are expenses that you're incurring, you know, today or in the future. There's a couple requirements that you have to meet, but that's a fantastic thing to look at um, if you want to save beyond your beyond your 401k. And then um, I guess the other thing that I I would mention is if you are saving beyond your 401k or or IRA. Um, perhaps in a brokerage account, that you just take a look at how you've um, how you make those investments uh, and, and compare it to what you're doing within your 401k because it's really important to uh, to know what your risk tolerance is and kind of have an appropriate mix of investments across you know both your 401k and then any outside savings um, that you have as well. We have so many financial obligations every day, uh, but the people that Schwab surveyed seemed, as you said, really focused on retirement. Did that come as a surprise to you? You know, um, it it didn't really. Uh, one thing to consider with the survey is we were we were actually surveying individuals that were participating in a 401k plan. So um, those individuals, it makes sense that okay. that it might be top of mind for them. But um, but I see it really across uh, across all individuals. What about with regards to millennials and uh, other generations, but specifically millennials? Um, what are you seeing in that age group or in that demographic as far as how they're looking at retirement? You know, I think I think that you know I, you've got to realize some of the specific challenges uh, with millennials and how events like the Great Recession, you know, likely impacted uh, how they think about saving or even the fact that many of them entered their career during some very tumultuous uh, times. My older daughter Megan completed her undergrad in in two thousand and nine. Um, but what I saw with millennials is that there was really this um, willingness, maybe because of these obstacles or in spite of these obstacles, to be really proactive about their finances. And I think that that, that really held true, regardless of, of the type of career that they had. So the proactive piece, I think, I think is good news. Um, and there are a lot of vehicles beyond your traditional 401k plan that you may have in, um, in a corporate uh, career. Certainly an IRA 
is uh, an option that's open uh, to many people. So I think, you know, I think the real message that I want to get out is leverage that a proactive look at your finances um, and turn it into some sort of some sort of financial plan where you've got a goal for the future and you can um, really just look at how do I take you know one step at a time to move towards those things that that you're really looking forward to in your retirement years. So just to recap for listeners, I want to I want to solidify some of the great points that you've made about the approach to retirement, the recommended the recommended approach, which is like just start. <laughs> if you are not sure how or where or how much, like just start get take access, get access of, of anything you have that's designed for retirement, whether that's your workplace 401k, your workplace benefit plan, um, an IRA, whether that's traditional or Roth, and just start even with a little bit of money consistently, automatically, that is going to get you uh, closer to your finish line. And then, you know, try to invest as much as you can to earn the company match. That's pretty much free money. Make sure that you are signing up for automatic contributions. But a lot of people have questions also about like, Roth versus traditional IRA. And now at work, you can even get a Roth 401k. <laughs> there, I mean, sometimes too many choices can feel stifling and then people don't make any decisions. So can you navigate us around that as well? That is true. And it's like so, it's like so many things. You have to start somewhere. It's good to have a plan, but you've got to take action um, on it. Uh, you brought up the point of uh, Roth 401ks versus traditional 401ks. I think that that is something that's uh, really important for uh, anyone to look at, but probably even uh, more so for the millennial generation. And And I say that because uh, the differences between Roth and 401k really come down to um, taxes, right? If you fund your traditional 401k account, that's with um, pre-tax money, and then you pay taxes in retirement, and then Roth is, is exactly the opposite. So you're funding your contributions with after-tax money today, so that in retirement, those withdrawals, you know, are tax free. So the reason I mention millennials is that Roth option can be attractive for younger workers because many of them are thinking about um, what their tax situation might look like uh, farther on in their career and retirement. And many of them anticipate that they could be in a higher tax bracket. So it can be confusing. There are many online um, resources and calculators to help you think about that. The other thing that I see people doing is um, splitting the contributions that they make uh, towards in their retirement plan between the two. And I suppose you could think of that as a little bit of a diversification strategy, but tax diversification. Outside of saving money, what are some other ways that we can sort of, you know, get ready for retirement, whether that's like a revenue stream that's on top of your income. I know a lot of people are worried about their parents retiring and not knowing what their plan is and how it might impact the children because, you know, mom and dad aren't really transparent about like what's in the bank and how to access certain financial accounts. Um, some people are looking into things like long-term health insurance because that could also be a nice benefit in retirement, um, could save a lot of money since healthcare is a big, big wild card. 
it is. You're you're exactly right. And there is there is so much more to uh, thinking about and planning for retirement than just actually really than just the money aspect of it. So when we talk to people about um, what wealth means, it, it is so much more than money. So you touched on on the health piece of it, whether that's um, planning for health care costs with a health savings account or long-term um, care insurance. I think that that's really important in the surveys we do. People not only think about, will I have enough money for retirement, but will I have, will I be in good health to enjoy those years? So if I were to take it totally outside of the sphere of money, um, I think there's so much that you can do just to invest in, in yourself, whether it's, you know, taking care of yourself, um, being active in the community, uh, looking for ways to just have a, a lifestyle that's going to prepare you for for retirement. You know, the other thing um, that you mentioned are the conversations, and and too yeah. often uh, this can be a taboo subject, and families don't like to they don't like to talk about money, and they and they don't like to plan, um, but. As com- uncomfortable as it might be, my family has taken the exact opposite approach. Um, I'm lucky enough to still have my my parents, but they're in their later years, and then my adult children, and and we sit down and and we talk about it as uh, as uncomfortable as it may be to start with. I think if if you can um, kind of tackle that. It's going to prevent, I, I would expect that it could prevent some heartache or, or hard feelings uh, down the road. So that would be something that I would encourage folks to do is talk with the people whose you know, financial lives might be intertwined you know, with yeah. yours. You know, it is a, a delicate subject as you bring up, but I often say it's helpful to, if you're the child, an adult child of a parent who's aging and you're worried about their finances or not sure like what their plans are and what your role should be in helping them, I think um, sometimes it's helpful to have an anecdote at the ready of another family member who may have not been so prepared or so transparent and then how it backfired. And that's a story that is familiar to your parents. And, you know, it kind of puts things in context. You could also say, hey, I listened to a podcast and <laughs> they were talking exactly. about this and like blame us. OK, but I think it's sometimes helpful to have um, something to anchor the conversation with and sort of takes a lot of the uh, finger pointing away. Or you may feel like you're coming at it kind of out of left field. But, you know, trying to find a way to, to navigate that is is tricky, but it can be done. You just have to think about the strategy and come up with like a script and as soon, if your siblings are around, like go in as a group and, and really step forward as your children who we care and like we're not trying to be nosy. We just want to like make sure that everyone's taken care of. On that note, Catherine, thank you for taking care of us and walking us through some of these retirement questions that we all have. And, you know, I hope this was helpful. I know this was helpful for many people, especially the millennials, but even those approaching retirement, it's never too late and it's never too early to prioritize retirement. Um, you know, I think the good news is, is that we're living longer, healthier lives, many of us. And so we don't have this necessary deadline. It's age 59 and a half or 65 to just, you know, stop working. If we are excited about working, we can. That's helpful. It brings in a revenue stream, but it's still important to save. Um, any parting advice for us or maybe resources where we can get some calculators or other kinds of content around this? We'd love to refer listeners there. 
Um, yeah, I think you hit it on the head. It's never too late to start, um, you know, have it top of mind throughout your life. In terms of resources, um, there are some wonderful resources that you can find online at, at Schwab or um, you know, other financial services firms, Schwab uh, Savings Fundamentals. There's a website uh, for that that can kind of walk you through that savings framework. Um, and that might be a really good place for your listeners to start. Catherine Galladay, thank you so much. It was really a treat to have you on the show and hope your daughters will have uh, more success ahead. Uh, thank you so much. It was nice to, it was nice to speak with you. Thanks so much to Catherine Galladay for joining us. For more information, you can always check out charlesschwab.com. If you missed this episode, want the transcript or listen to the audio again, share it. Head over to somoneypodcast.com. It's all there for you. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Stay tuned for tomorrow's episode of Ask Farnoosh. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And I hope your day is so money. So money.